The sports story everyone's talking about today is just moments away. So call or text us right now at 573-875-KTGR and make your voice heard. This is The Big Show with Andy and Brendan on KTGR. Second hour of the program. Thanks for tuning in to The Big Show on ESPN 100.5 and 105.1 KTGR, your total sports station in mid-Missouri. Thanks for tuning in online at KTGR.com and on the KTGR app it is Andy Brennan and producer Chris all here we're talking some more Mizzou 2024 the hype begins now and lasts for the next eight months but man the pieces are coming together what could we see uh, coming to fruition for Mizzou next season Uh, we'll talk about that in a few minutes and some coaches came out and said you know this bowl season it's going to need some tweaking if it's going to continue like this. 12-team playoffs coming. Uh, maybe changes need to be made to the schedule just because of that virtue. But does bowl season need fixing? We'll talk about that at 525, 875-5847 if you want to call or text us. But first, it's 5 o'clock. It's time for the Top 5 at 5 on the Big Show. Number 1. You want to trade away for curtain number 1? You can have curtain 1. With the Kansas City Chiefs locked into the number three seed in the AFC playoff picture, regardless of their Week 18 outcome against the Chargers, the one team I'd be very confident in facing if I'm the Chiefs in next week's wild card round are the Steelers. Steelers are playing a must-win game this week, and they're starting Mason Rudolph, despite Kenny Pickett being back to health at this point. Regardless of which quarterback would suit up in a playoff matchup, that individual would get eaten alive by the Chiefs' defense. I don't know how likely it is that Kansas City would face them. A lot of machinations with the playoff picture up in the air, but the Steelers are the one that I would guarantee the Chiefs would be. Number two. Number two. Your timing is impeccable. Wusuk Go to the Padres. The Korean reliever reportedly on a two-year deal is heading to San Diego. Solid reliever coming over from Korea, and the reported dollar amount on the contract is only like $4.5 million over two years. Now, the Padres also got Yuki Matsui out of Japan this offseason on a five-year deal. Cardinals actually had him to St. Louis on a visit, didn't land him. Matsui ended up with far more money than Go, so I don't think Go is a candidate to be the San Diego closer. Like, that's not the reason he signed there. Mo, are you with us? I'd have to imagine the Cardinals didn't really go after Go, because if they did, they could have simply doubled his salary, tripled it to make sure he signs. I don't know. I still feel like the Cardinals need a reliever, though. I thought he was a candidate, and he's going to San Diego, too. Number three. There's Makai Wingo, no matter what he said on Twitter about being emotional after the ReliaQuest Bowl, and that's why he was looking around, not really engaging with then-defensive coordinator of LSU, Matt House. I don't know. It was still an odd exchange for me, caught on video after the LSU win. I feel as though maybe Makai Wingo knew something. Matt House now being dismissed as a defensive coordinator from LSU. I wonder why. Number four. Oh, I shanked it. J.C. Carly is officially entering the NFL draft, foregoing the final year of eligibility at Mizzou. He had a great season and a really strong career at Missouri. I honestly don't think it's crazy to suggest that when we look back in four years or so, we could see a number pushing double digits when it comes to defensive players from this Mizzou team still on NFL rosters. Number five. What is the five fingers? Say to the face! Slap! Some college coaches and producer Chris think we need to fix bowl season. I'm willing to hear his argument a little later on in the show. I'd actually make the case that we need to fix NFL Week 18 first. 
There's no star players playing this weekend, like, at all. That's the Big Show's Top 5 at 5 on KTGR. 875-KTGR, if you want to call or text us, it's probably a harder thing to do, right? I mean, Probably impossible. Yeah, but. like, how do, you, how do you even do that when these are professionals and they've got everything locked up? I, I don't know. Yeah, Chris. I mean, there has to be some kind of, like, CBA thing you'd have to go through, right, to do that, right? Yeah, probably something like that. Which I don't think the player's side would ever have any incentive to agree to, nor would the, the team side. Like, it's one of those deals that, Nobody involved would want, because as a player, you want to make sure you're healthy for your team's playoff run. As a team, you want to allow them to do the same. As a fan, you just can mostly ignore the week outside of a couple of specific games. Well, and at the same time, I mean, yes, it's very tough that in a year where we've had quarterback injury after quarterback injury, and now we're getting this week where guys like Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy and Patrick Mahomes and the like, they're not playing, they're... They're making sure that they rest up for the playoffs. Like I, I get it. At the same time, is the viewership going to be worse uh, this week for uh, for the NFL? I don't know if we'll see if we'll see that much change. I, I don't know that we'll see a huge change, and I don't care about the TV numbers. They don't pay me to care about it, but yeah. I do think it's. I'm less interested. Like I I watch every NFL game every week. I'm I'm tuned into it in some way or another, and I won't be this weekend. Well, sure. So I, I mean. I'm about as hardcore as it gets. But there will be. St- I don't know how many people are like me in that regard. In every window that the NFL has these games, though, there there are scenarios that matter. They there are not every game matters this weekend. There there are several matchups where both teams have absolutely diddly squat to play for, and right. but there are still ways they spread it out to the fact where okay, there's at least one or two games that matter at noon. There's at least one or two games that matter at three o'clock. The Sunday night game obviously is the probably the most impactful. There are a couple Saturday games that matter. Like they, they do a good job of spreading it out to where, yeah, you don't have to pay attention to every single game, but you're going to pay attention to at least a few of them. And so uh, they're going to get their numbers, I think, that way. So Probably so. Yeah, That's fair. But we'll, we'll get more into that coming up uh, in just a bit. But first, man, Mizzou in 2024. I mean, you, you said it. Uh, there are N- There's more NFL guys that we can expect maybe to staff some rosters at the next level that come from Mizzou, as you mentioned in the top five there, Brendan. Uh, like, Jay- I think you'll have a handful right. that are going in this year, but I bet there's another handful that those guys were underlings on this year's team. They they come up late with some some opportunity, and then we say, hey, wait a minute, this guy's now going to be a, a foundational piece for next year's defense. You're going to see a lot of pros from this 2023 Mizzou defense. That's my prediction a few years down the line. Yeah, I mean, there's... There's so much that could take place, and I think there's talent for Mizzou that isn't draft eligible yet that could very well uh, open some eyes in the next uh, couple of years. But for 2024, I mean, we're we have no idea what the roster will exactly look like, but we know that with the schedule that Mizzou has coming up, and with what we know is coming back, and what very well could be coming back, what we're hopeful for. It very well could be just as uh, as successful. But give us what you think, 875-KTGR. What pieces do you want to see come together before 2024 uh, takes place for Mizzou football? I mean, I think very clearly you're looking at the defense here, Brendan, with all the guys that are you know, making those decisions. Are you going to come back? Are you going to declare for the draft? And, and I think you're going to see more guys. You already have seen more guys this year declare for the draft from that side that, 
Tigers only had really one last year, and everybody else decided to run it back. But, I mean, you're going to have to staff that up a little bit more. So I think that's the probably the bigger question mark than the the offensive side right now because you, you're starting to address that a little bit in the portal already. But the defense, to me, you need to see some some more development or just supplementing of of what you have going out to make sure that your defense doesn't drop off significantly next year. Well, I mean, they are going to lose the number of guys to the draft, but I I would I don't know the numbers offhand, but it feels like they've done more in the portal on defense than they have on offense. Well, and that's the they've addressed that for sure. Um, the the offensive, I was maybe more saying like, okay, they. They got Caden Green. They they have their left tackle, uh, wide receiver. They should be pretty well set. It's mostly for the guys most part. returning though on and, that side of the ball, uh, right. minus Green, who's a, an outside addition, which I think is definitely an important. And you got a you got a running back already to to That's take true. some uh, some carries. So like Marcus uh, Carroll from Georgia State. A lot of the position groups, you're kind of you're almost set for uh, for what you have on that side. Defense, you're kind of that way too, but maybe still looking for more. Because, I mean, they picked up the linebacker from Georgia, right? And they picked up Chris McClellan on the defensive line. Yeah. Toriano Pride as a cornerback yes. from Clemson. Like, they've been, and I may be overlooking a, a name or two as well, they've been pretty darn active on defense to where, I think at all levels of the football, you're you're basically saying we're going to have outside additions that at, at a minimum are going to compete for playing time, whether they are day one starters or you expect them to be that as of spring ball. Kind of remains to be seen how that, that shakes out, but like Williams Moneri is another guy that I think he's going to play right. Like I don't think he's going to going to be a, a as a, a five star freshman, a guy just warming the bench. I think you'll probably see him in action as early as his true freshman season. So that's another example uh, in terms of a of a defensive lineman edge rusher that you that you add to the mix. Could they could they get more? Yeah, probably. It seems like on both sides of the ball, there's still guys announcing that they're entering the portal, and I basically it's kind of fun to think. Mizzou could be in on any of these guys as they announce, like, well, okay, do they have a, a connection from his prior recruiting? I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me if Mizzou is still involved just with the way that they have been aggressive at filling the perceived needs as as to what they could be losing from this year's team and trying to replace and replenish for next year. And they're already gaining some more eyeballs from that realm because uh, – of how well they did, of how they won against Ohio State this past weekend. And maybe transfers look at that and they say, well, what's going on at Mizzou? Maybe there was no clear connection between that player and their early high school recruiting process in Mizzou. Maybe not, but, I mean, you're even getting some of those guys that didn't have it already. And so we'll we'll see what what it looks like there. I was maybe looking more toward, I mean, you talked about some of the guys they've already gotten on defense. And, yes, they did get... I believe a couple of linebackers. They got Chris McClellan on the defensive line. Uh, pass rush will be important to make sure that you uh, keep replenishing that every year, especially in the SEC. Secondary maybe is where I need to see a few more um, answers, I would say. Toriano Pride's great, but you're you're losing Rake Straw, you know, and you think you're losing Chris Abrams, Abrams Green, Green also. as well. Yeah. So you're yeah. replacing both of them. Carlisle's always Pride, uh, Yeah, and Carlisle's in the safety spot, so you, you need another safety. So, I mean, it, back end is probably where I'd like to see them put a little more focus. But, again... The, I think they can get... I don't know who's in the portal right now, but I think they could get guys. Well, like, yeah. Why wouldn't you, if you were a, a safety or 
and they, they they do some creative things right with the star position and they can move guys around and and have versatile guys that can play in, in different spots if they need to like how could you be a guy that fits one of those molds and not look at Mizzou and say man I could be successful here because the reason that there are openings on this defense is because of all the guys that have succeeded and done so well that they're now you know punching their ticket for a, a likely selection in the NFL draft whether that's early round mid round late round whatever the case like those guys are going to extend their football careers in, in most of the cases of, of the the players that we're talking about it's because they're on to bigger and better things if I'm a guy in the portal I'm looking at that and Mizzou's coaching staff I'm sure will use that when they approach these players and say hey you can be this guy to our defense and, and look <laughs> look how well it worked out for the last guy that was in that spot well and there's also the sense of well okay it, Maybe you look at the portal and maybe you try to go after guys, but do you almost like some of the guys that you already have? Marvin Burke's got some solid playing time as a true freshman at safety this year, and he made some impacts. Came up, got a couple of sacks, uh, pass breakups, things of that nature. I mean, Daylon Carnell is coming back to most likely play the star, but if they feel, I, I don't know if they maybe feel like he needs to move to a different spot. I mean, there's, yeah, they could keep him right that. where he is, right. or I think I think I like him in that position simply because it allows more ways to impact the game. It feels like we talked about how he was just flying all over the field, and like that's almost inherent to that position that he's playing is it allows the freedom to do some different things. So yeah, I. I wouldn't have any problem with that at all. But th- I agree. There are some internal options that you feel good about the way that they have kind of stocked the cupboard. And you get a glimpse of some of these guys that were able to see the field, whether it was sparingly or maybe they were asked to do a little bit more. I know that kind of happened in the linebacking core where by the end of the year you were down all your linebackers. So you you had to have other guys fill in and, and, and those guys played well too. So that's why I feel pretty good about it. But you, it can't hurt if there's a guy that's a bonafide out in the portal to say, hey, you could step into a role uh, or, or compete for the opportunity to have one. Yeah, we'll see what happens there, but give us your thoughts. What pieces do you want to see come together for 2024 for Mizzou football? 875-KTGR to call or text us. I mean, a lot could also matter as far as what the SEC looks like because Mizzou could still go. I mean, let's say they go 10-2. and two. Great. Does that mean that they're unequivocally one of the two teams competing for an SEC championship, or is there still going to be a log jam at the top? I mean, that's going to be, there's a lot yeah. that could be, uh, that, could, that could be figured out there, but it's hard to forecast out. I'm going to predict that you, you can't expect to be in the SEC championship game with a six and two record. I think you have to go at least seven and one. And even then there, there could be depending on who beats whom yeah. to get the seven and one, there could be a log jam of three teams. Maybe there, I think you, you got to say you might be allowed one, conference loss if it's in the right spot of your schedule but then you probably got to win the rest of them but like i see a scenario where you lose to alabama and that's your only loss like i think that's possible because you go to tuscaloosa i'm not saying they can't win that game but that would be difficult but like then the other tough games on your schedule at a&m is the first road game but we you know we don't know what a&m is going to bring to the table next year i think I they'll, be they'll be better than better. they were this year i think it, <laughs> absolutely I think we can see that yeah and it's the environment that scares me more than anything. They could be a seven and five team at the end of the year, but that one of those seven could come against you because that's a an early season home game that has got conference implications, and it's going to be you're going to get up for that game. November 9th against Oklahoma, I'm marking down a Missouri dub. I you will not convince me of of a different outcome over the next eleven months. Obviously, they got to play the game, but like those are the the big ones that jump out to me. So 
Eleven and one, yeah, maybe you're in the SEC championship game with a seven to one conference slate. But I at ten and two, you might not be in the SEC championship game. But Andy, how many of the twelve do you think come from the SEC? Because the number's gonna be more than two yeah. in my estimation. So I you could so. be in that position that you were in this year at ten and two. You Ole Miss, Penn State, y'all missed out on your conference championship games, but you're still in a a major bowl, a New Year's Six Bowl, and I think Mizzou even losing a second game where that game would come and you know the strength of their wins would then have to be studied relative to some of those like a say an eleven and two ACC team who maybe there's two ACC teams that go to the championship game but one of them loses how, how do you grade that out as to whether they're deserving of an at large spot versus a a ten and two SEC team like Mizzou could be in that mix as well should be I would have to think and like so those are some of the things that you'd be looking at way down the line in terms of seeding and, and things of that nature. It does matter, like because, again, I want to make sure I get this right. This year, if the if there were a 12-team playoff, SEC would have four teams, right? Alabama, Georgia, I think Mizzou, so. Ole Miss. I'm yeah. not missing anybody, right? Okay, so that would be four. Because LSU, LSU was number five, and they were 13th right. in the poll, yeah. which you needed to be top 11. I mean... Would you say this was an up or down year for the SEC? It was not an up year for it. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just... I, I, I hesitate to say down. I guess we have to based on the standard that's been set, which is there's no SEC team in the national championship game. But, like... I don't know if it was either for them. Maybe up or down, or maybe around average. So them. here's what I would say. Including LSU, you had five of the top 13 in the college football playoff rankings, the final rankings that they'll do because they don't do one after bowl, bowl season's over. There were also two teams in that top 13 that are now SEC teams, and they weren't this year. So, like, the caliber of Texas and OU is still, like, Texas was obviously in the top four. OU was number 12, right? So, you're that's, that's seven teams in the top 13 that, obviously, they'll have to, OU and Texas will have to play an SEC schedule, so they won't all necessarily be in that same mix next year. They'll beat up on one another a little bit, but like that's the quality of the teams that are going to be in this conference this year, plus the A and M's of the world that we think can improve. Yeah, it's just a matter of does the new realignment that the SEC is going to go through, and of course, adding Oklahoma and Texas, is it going to make the entire conference stronger, or does it make it look a little bit more like maybe what the Big Ten was this year, where it's very top heavy, where teams very clearly separate from the pack and we see so. something like i don't know it's i don't know if it's possible to see a couple of eight no teams in the sec championship but it, it, whether that's it possible be. or not sure it would be it, yeah you have to be creative with who it would be because sure. of who would have to not play one another yeah. but yeah I'm, I'm sure it could happen and so it, i just wonder what that does to it because it does that become Alabama? Does Alabama, first of all, after what was very clearly a down year by their standards, do they rise back up again? What happens with Georgia? What but happens now? Alabama, with... to, they they went undefeated in conference play, right? Like Alabama well, yeah, was eight yeah, no, they did because they only lost to Texas. But what I'm saying is, by their standards, they they are used to spending pretty much all season in the top five, and they didn't this year. That was well, kind of where I was coming from. But they they won't play a non con in September this year, will they? I don't I don't know who their non cons are, but um, like that was yeah. the that was the reason they had one bad Saturday against a non conference opponent, and then they won the rest of their games. I know that they weren't up to speed offensively early in the schedule; they had to figure out 
who was going to be their quarterback. But it's just kind of interesting that, like, Alabama basically had its normal Alabama season in terms of their wins and losses, except for a non-con that if you don't schedule it, we never would have noticed, right? If they would have played, I don't know, a Mac school that week, they yeah. host Toledo that week, we're t- we don't have that narrative about Alabama all year. Even if they beat Toledo or Bowling Green or Buffalo, like they beat one of those teams like 17 to three. We think it's weird. Like we thought their South Florida game was weird, but they, they didn't have it scheduled in a way that would have covered up the bad games that they had. They, they got got by Texas and that is what impacted obviously the final college football rankings. But no, I think there could be two undefeated teams out of the SEC. At a minimum, you probably see like an eight and zero and a seven and one, and hope that all those teams run their non cons. So it's like twelve and zero, eleven and one in the SEC championship. But then, how many ten and twos are there, and how will those be judged against one another? Because yeah. I think at least one of those is getting in, and probably a second, maybe even a third. If you, I mean, you could have ten and two all the way down to probably fifth place in the conference. That, yeah, see, that's why that's why it's going to be very crucial for Missouri. Like we're talking about, you know, today we see the most likely path to ten and two as you know, win all your games except for probably at Alabama. You probably don't get that, and then you split OU A and M in some way, shape, or form. Correct. But if it's any other scenario, if you're if you're ten and two in a different way, if you're losing to a worse team than that, then mm. I. Oh, I don't know. Like, yeah, Auburn. I actually I mean, don't know if I agree. I, but what what about this angle, though? Because you're not. Uh, I the thing is, I'm looking at a non-con schedule for Mizzou that is way worse than it was this year. So Auburn is the it is. Place. So like that's. But like, my thought is though, where are you getting your wins in that ten and two that that are going to stack up favorably against other SEC teams, right? Because yeah. if you have. Let's say that you're not in the championship at 10 and 2 in the SEC championship. Sure. Yeah. But there are three teams at 10 and 2. Or maybe there's just two teams at 10 and 2. Like this year it was Mizzou and Ole Miss. I think when you stacked up Mizzou and Ole Miss, you benefited from the strength of your losses because you played better against Georgia than anybody and that carried weight. Like I I don't know if Mizzou is above Ole Miss if Mizzou gets popped by Georgia instead of playing them down yeah. to the yeah, wire you're, the you're way right. that they did. Yeah. So it does matter the way that Mizzou would conceivably lose at Alabama. Like, how do they play in that game versus... Because if you look at... If you lose to... What do we think? Oklahoma is better than A&M? I don't really know what that... Who finishes with more wins next I year. I see those games as fairly even. Yeah. So yeah. let's just say one of the one of them is a loss. The other one is the Alabama loss. You pick up a win over A&M or OU, but that's about all you have on your exactly. schedule. Yeah. So that's where it's almost like... I, would you take a bad loss or like an intermediate loss? Let's say Auburn goes six and six, but you happen to lose to Auburn, like producer Chris alluded. But you beat both Texas A and M and Oklahoma. Does that help you? Because it's or do like, you beat Bama oh, those are, after one, beat, lose at A and M. That's Bama. what it would be. But then you're, but then you know who you are. You're this year's Oklahoma because yeah. Oklahoma beat Texas, but they lost to Kansas and they lost yeah. to Oklahoma State which were kind of in that next tier lower down in the Big 12. Big 12 isn't as strong of a conference. It Here's here's my final takeaway. The 12-team playoff is not going to take away the intrigue of these conversations because no. we, we're going to be diving into those 10-2 and two teams and like this year's Mizzou versus Ole Miss didn't even end up mattering because of the way the ACC championship and all those weekend games went. Both teams got into a, to a New Year's Six next year. Imagine that Mizzou versus Ole Miss debate when you're when you're saying, well, Mizzou only lost to 
Alabama by eight. You know, that's why they, and Ole Miss is going to say, well, we didn't even play. Like, it's going to be absolutely ridiculous when it comes down to it. But I think Mizzou's going to be right in that mix. Hopefully you go 11-1 and one, so you don't even have to worry about that. Yeah. But I could see Gosh. a scenario where we have some heated discussions in November about a 10-2 and two Missouri team and, and, and those other 10-2s. and Because you'll have a 10-2 and two from the Big 12. Inevitably, there will be a 10-2 and two from the, be, the Big yeah. 10. And there will be not all of them will get in. That's what's going to be really fascinating. 875-KTGR. What do you see coming together for 2024 from Mizzou football? Call or text us. Let's go to Sam on the KTGR hotline. Sam, what's up? Gents, good afternoon. What's up? Um, my, que- my question a little bit is maybe going to be off the wall, probably some eye rolls and, like, what's he talking about? But you go center quarterback running back right now. You got the kid from Georgia State that sounds like he's going to be really good, but then depth behind him or around him. You know, obviously Cody toted the mail most of the year, and then Pete got some carries. So, and then quarterback is Sam Horn our our, our backup? Do you see him transferring? Uh, just with the lack, you know, he was supposed to be one, you know, one of the next great ones, and he's had two, three years to, and hasn't seen the field yet. Is he going to exit stage right? But or is he going to stay play baseball? I don't know what he'll do. And then center, it seems like at least two or three times a game, Connor Tolleson, who's one of the best centers. I think out there, he seems to forget the snap count and hits Brady Cook in the chest. So I don't that that, that kind of that line right that pistol right there really uh, has me a little bit concerned going into 2024. Obviously, these are good concerns to have when you're talking about depth. But wanted to get your thoughts on those. Yeah, appreciate the call, Sam. Here on the Big Show KTGR. So the quarterback could be interesting because Mizzou has already seen uh, Jake Garcia trans. He's entered the portal. Um, yep. for a second time because he's allowed to now. Um, Jabari Johnson's in the portal, too. So right now, Mizzou well, he, only has... He's out of the portal. Jabari Johnson's going to Oregon State. Like okay, that's, yeah, so that's that's, uh, that's, that's decided. So It's a great point that, that he brings up about the quarterback's I Because Sam Horn is that, a unique situation man, yeah, with the baseball I mean, element. I would think... I have no intel on this whatsoever. But I think if he hadn't entered by now, probably... Sticking he's around, Mizzou, I mean, he's going to play Mizzou baseball, yeah, right? This, exactly. This semester, right? So, so he'll he'll do that. I mean, it, Brady Cook. This is Brady's last year, right? Yeah. So I mean, Brady's this next got, year, I think, is yeah. But to be clear, CM Horn cannot, after baseball season, up and enter the MLB draft. He needs to wait one more year until his junior season. Correct. So that's not a thing that we would expect to see, but like. How does this Mizzou baseball season go? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, does that almost impact? I don't know what the hierarchy would be for the kid. If I were in that position, I could just decide, you know what? I had a great baseball season. That's what I'm doing my junior year. I'm not the backup quarterback on the football. I'm not playing football anymore. Like, that wouldn't stun me from Sam Horn. I would expect that above him transferring. I'm not saying either is likely, yeah. but don't you think that could happen? That's Let's say possible. he pitches yeah. and has a great season, sure. and he goes, oh, that's my future at the next level, at the professional level. That is fascinating. I do think for that reason you need a, like a Jake Garcia caliber quarterback probably coming in, unless you trust well, the, the high school kids that are coming see, in. See, I think this year, so what they have right now is Brady Cook, Sam Horn, and then their, their 24 signee, Aiden Glover, from this very recent recruiting class, and I believe that's it. I think Dylan Leibel is technically still around, too. I think he came in from JUCO. Um, I don't know if he has a scholarship or not, though. So, I mean, 
it's a good point though. Yeah. To think about like how how suddenly it thinned out a little bit. Where if you have an injury like that, can take your season in a college football playoff, you know, anticipated effort type of season. You gotta you gotta have that room stocked up. I don't blame anybody who transferred. Jake Garcia was never going to play here, and Jabari Johnson was going to have to wait multiple years, yeah. where he might be able to go right now to Oregon State and play yeah. because their quarterback transferred. So like that's where it gets. I totally get it in this modern era. I saw some Mizzou fans on Twitter when that happened say, "Oh, they're bummed out about Jabari Johnson transferring." And I'm like, yeah, I'm bummed out too. Not surprising to me at all, though, because if I'm Jabari Johnson and I'm that caliber of player, I know I'm not unseating Brady Cook this year. And with the transfer rules the way they are now, I'm trying to go play somewhere next year. I want to go play football next year. I'm a football player. You, you, you almost, and I think it'll affect recruiting eventually, Andy, where sometimes some of these guys might be happy to take a mid-major spot when they, when they could be told by that coaching staff, like you could legitimately be our starter as a true freshman and you might get to play and show to the high major teams, you know, like you'll have to almost use that as a recruiting pitch of you're going to, you're going to play for us for a couple of years, but we think you might be gone after that because you can move up. Like that's going to almost yeah. be an angle that I think teams and, and coaches at the lower levels can use, but it's fascinating for where Missouri sits right now. There's no doubt about it because yeah, Brady's the guy, but what injuries happen in college football. Yeah. So if Sam Horn is a, suddenly a baseball player, Mizzou would be in a spot where they probably didn't think they would be with all the, the depth that they had three weeks ago. 875-KTGR, give us a call or a text. What pieces do you want to see come together for 2024 for Mizzou football? We'll probably talk more about this, get to some of your calls and texts. And does bowl season need fixing? Is it broken? Kirby Smart seemed to suggest so after the uh, the Orange Bowl win. But we'll talk about that coming up next on The Big Show. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Well, 2024 could be fun once again for Mizzou football. Tell us your thoughts on it, 875-KTGR. We had Sam call in just a few moments ago. I had an interesting question about, you know, that maybe there being concerns in the, uh, you know, that pistol formation, essentially, between center, quarterback, running back. Is is Brady Cook going to have enough depth behind him in the off chance and, God forbid, but it, in the off chance that you got to turn to somebody else uh, for, for injury or whatnot, uh, Sam Horn is still here. Uh, but after that, you've just got Aiden Glover and Dylan Leibel, and you already had a couple transfers out. So, I mean, it, will there be depth there? Who, we, who knows? Connor Thomason still uh, snapping issues too, right? That was it's, the other question, element of Sam's question that he brought up, that when I teased it yesterday, I said there was one thing that happened in the Cotton Bowl that actually does have me concerned for 2024, and it is that. Because as much as Connor Tolleson played great when he snapped the ball on time, and, and Brady Cook knew it was coming this season, you can't have that happen a handful of times per game, and that's kind of what we saw. So there, yeah. to me, that is something to note. Now, I don't understand how it happens over 13 games in, in basically every game. I don't... I, but is it something that they can fix and work on in the communication for next year? Because you cannot go into next year with that happening yeah. literally multiple times per game. It's not like, a, oh, would it happen? You knew it was going to happen. And Brady deserves a lot of credit for the fact that I don't think Mizzou really lost any fumbles on on that exchange. Like, he often got hit by a ball that he didn't see coming and found a way to, to make it be okay. But that's, I mean, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball with that too much. It cannot happen. Well, yeah, next and, year. and look, I think that's... Very fixable, um, but especially over an off season. And yeah, you would hope. There's no way to 
because it didn't get fixed in 13 games. No, you're right. That's my thing. Off seasons probably tend to maybe give a little bit more. Brady didn't have most of an off season, so there is that. But that's true. I mean, uh, yeah, there, there's there's always things that you can work on. I'd I'd say there's some concern there, but not a whole lot because Connor Tolleson in every other aspect of being a center, Played he was, he was great. great. Yeah, right. Played so, great. I mean, yes, it, get the snaps right. You need to do that, but. Um, but again, I have no barometer on how to say, well, it's definitely better now or it's definitely not. I mean, no, I can say it's not better so far because right. it happened in the bowl game and it happened all year. I would just, and again, I say concern. I'm still telling you Mizzou's going to be right in the mix for a college football playoff, but you'd like for those types of things to not have to come into yeah. play or the thought process during next season. Do fix that and then fix the delay of games on long field goals. And I think Mizzou's golden. You no, find yeah, a way to exactly. eliminate those two things. And uh, we're, things are looking pretty good. It'd be all right. And he also asked about running back. I mean, you got uh, the Georgia State guy, Marcus Carroll. Uh, I'm not worried at all about running portal. back. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not too worried either. You do have to have a stud there. If Marcus Carroll ends up being a stud, great. Or if you have somebody who's who's coming up from uh, from some one of the younger guys, maybe Kohan Lacey uh, factors right in from this recruiting class. Jamal Roberts, the uh, coaching staff likes him. Somebody has to step up, but I I can't expect that nobody will right now. You can do it as a true freshman in college football at, at yeah. running back. I really I I wouldn't be shocked to see that from the the four star they got out of Texas. So we'll see. But um yeah, there could be some depth questions going forward, but there's still plenty of time to address that. Portal's gonna open again later on after spring football too, so you've got Many ways to do it. Uh, 875-KTGR if you want to call or text us. Well, Kirby Smart sounded off on bowl season right after his team whipped up on Florida State by 60 points in the Orange Bowl. And so I, I just want to get to his full quote because he obviously you know carries a lot of weight with his words, uh, with uh, what he says and about uh, college football in general. People listen when Kirby Smart talks nowadays. And so here's what he said after the game. He said, quote, people need to see what happened tonight. They need to fix this. It needs to be fixed. It's very unfortunate that they have a good football team, talking about Florida State, and a good football program are in the position they're in, and everybody can say it's their own fault, it's their own problem. Everybody can say that we had our guys and they didn't have their guys. I can listen to all that, but college football has got to decide what they want. I know things are changing. Things are going to change next year. You know what? There's still going to be bowl games outside of those. People got to decide what they want and what they really want to get out of it because it's really unfortunate for those kids on that sideline that had to play in that game and didn't have their full arsenal. It affected the game 100%, end quote. So that was, again, uh, talking with Bill Connolly earlier last hour, that was an extreme example. Like you've Very got, much so. If Florida State, who... Look, I think they deserved for what they did during this season. I thought they deserved to be in. You can argue about it all you want, but they had a whole lot of opt-outs and transfers when they found out that they didn't make it. And, and I mean, look, you you could say that's a referendum on the program. I, I don't necessarily think so. But then you've got on the other side, Georgia, a team that, look, if they hadn't lost that one game to Alabama, we'd be talking about them as the best team in college football right now. They'd probably be playing in the national championship game. And they all of a sudden have to play in that New Year's Six game and didn't have as many opt-outs. So, I mean, that's your result. So I just don't – that reaction obviously was very strong from Kirby Smart, but I think the situation was also very strong and very uh, unusual that caused that to happen. 
that's not going to happen many times again, if ever again. Right. One of the reasons for that is, like, Kirby points to the changed format and maybe says, hey, it's time we, we think about some of these things. The changed format is going to take care of what happened in the Orange Bowl. It's going to eliminate it as a problem. And the reason for that, both Georgia and Florida State will be in a 12-team playoff. If it had happened this year, those teams are in. And so now you're moving down the line to talk about the programs that just missed the cut. But, like, you'll never have an unbeaten power program again that doesn't get in. So you won't have that emotional. Because, again, I think for some of those players, when they got snubbed, and even though I don't believe they belong, it is a snub because they went undefeated. When they got snubbed, I think the reaction universally from Florida State was really bitter disappointment, and they said, ah, I'm going to move on to the next thing. So the guys transferred, the guys opted out, understandably so. You'll never have another undefeated power program not in the college football playoff. So, like, did LSU have opt-outs this year? Sure. And they were, like, one of the first teams out, right? Did Oklahoma have some opt-outs? Yeah, their quarterback transferred. He went to find a new spot. That's going to happen. But to the extent that it happened to Florida State will never happen again because the circumstances of a we got we were undefeated and we got robbed in our estimation of the chance to play in the playoff will never again happen in college football ever. So it, Kirby's problem that he's talking about is fixed by the changed format with the way that I look at. It. I don't know to, how you to think a about degree, all that. Maybe, but. Yeah, I, I mean he's maybe still talking about the bowl games outside of the playoff next year that could still. Looks somewhat, maybe not to that extreme of a sixty it's impo- point deficit. It, it's impossible, but, right? I like, mean, it, oh, nothing's impossible in college football. But I mean, there, there's there's definitely still some programs out there that will feel snubbed by being excluded, and sure. then maybe you see a mass exodus similar to what Florida State had. This you week. will, a hundred percent, you will. If it's if it, Oklahoma is who it would have been this year, right? It was right. they were the twelve. And so you get Liberty in there as the, the final seed for the playoff. Oklahoma feels really sad because they were that close, and they, they thought they should have been 11 instead of 12. Who are they going to play? Because they're not going to – Oklahoma, in that instance, is not going to play Georgia, right. the team that we thought could have been the national champion, because they're in the playoff too. So whoever they play, now they're playing Iowa. Well, Iowa sucks. Like, it's going <laughs> to be a bad game on both sides. You'll never have it to that prominent level. It'll never be in a New Year's Six game. It'll never happen in the Orange Bowl because the Orange Bowl is part of the the playoff rotation as are all the other New Year's Six games. You can't draw me a scenario. That's what I'm trying to say. Like There will never be that big of a mismatch because a team as good as Georgia will never not be in the playoff. And a team as, as undefeated as Florida State will never not be in the playoff again. 875-KTGR, give us a call or a text. Uh, let's quickly go to Marty here on the KTGR hotline. Marty, what's up? Hey, guys. I was just uh, briefly taking a look at, at some of these players that have eligibility left, and uh, maybe we could kind of go through this a little bit. I don't know if it's been touched on by much in the media, and I guess it's still, you know, real speculative, so uh, – Maybe it's a stretch, but on offense, it looks like to me the only player that that, that has not announced, or I'm not aware of that if he's announced, is Theo Weiss. I guess he would be a candidate for sure. early exit if yeah. if he if he thinks he can, you know, wants to go to the NFL route. Yeah. Outside of Theo, is there anybody I'm missing that that has not said they're coming back or potentially could leave? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate the call, Marty, here on the big show. I don't believe so. 
Yeah, because we basically touched on defense when we did that segment, yeah. Andy, and, and we kind of neglected to bring up the offense because pretty much everybody is projected to come back unless it's a surprise transfer, right? Like Mookie like Cooper has already said he's coming back. It, and that was one you didn't expect. Right. So and, uh, Right side of the offensive line is all back. You've got... Uh, I mean, there's still some. You had some guys lose eligibility, sure, uh, but I mean, Theo, I think, is the only guy that you're maybe waiting on on the offensive side to say, okay, are you gonna stay or are you gonna go? So I, I think that's it. Yeah, I think so too. What do you think that decision ends up being? Because oh, I know gosh. that there I was. Don't some... wanna, I don't want to weigh in. Uh, come on, it's fun to weigh. Uh, well, just what do you think about it? Because he very famously had like the the. Instagram live with Luther Burden yeah. after one of those games where he said he's coming back and, and, and Theo's dad was kind of like on Twitter, like, well, that's not really been decided yet. Like, you know, he's in the moment, which is understandable. But then we got a little bit of that smoke as well. After the cotton bowl, you got the tweet from drink, right? Wasn't that pertaining to Theo mm-hmm. or was that pertaining to someone else where drink all caps said one more year. And I just checked Mizzou's schedule for next year. And it, it appears to me that November 9th, they're playing a team called, Oklahoma oh, yeah. University. So, or is it University of Oklahoma? I don't even care. They it's call University themselves OU, of Oklahoma. But how are they OU anyway? That's well. A, again, how are we? How is day. Mizzou MU? Like, there's several schools that do Touché. this. But I mean, Touche. But uh, <laughs> so I won't make fun for that. But sure. but Oklahoma on the schedule. If I'm Theo East, man, and I don't have like a, a high a round incentive, draft grade, isn't it? I would want to play that game and be carried off the field by my Missouri teammates. After they didn't really use the OEs properly, like we saw this year, what this guy can do, I would want to crack it at that OU game, especially with it being at home next year. Oh, man. Who do you want to see back from Mizzou next year? 875 KTGR. <laughs> oh, good answer. You're talking to them. Yeah. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> uh, we'll talk some more of that. Get some more of your calls and texts after this live local sports center. You're listening to the Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Does bowl season need fixing? Tell us what you think, 875-KTGR. Here on the Big Show with Andy, Brendan, and producer Chris. Get to uh, one of these texts here from Tiger Nate. He says, I don't know how to fix bowl season. Get rid of at least 20% of these participation trophy bowl games. Not everyone with six and even five wins is deserving of a postseason game. I'd imagine many athletic departments end up losing money participating in dumpsterfiretrash.com bowls. They don't i mean not really uh, don't make it more paid? selective don't they get paid out for bowls i mean yeah um i i don't know how it all works out for some teams maybe they maybe some do end up losing money maybe not i think it's different for a lot of different cases yeah but... that's why you like don't forfeit the orange bowl you just show up take your check and go home i mean for I the orange like... bowl yeah yes. yeah, yeah like, i know it's yeah, like the orange the bowl orange but still bowl. You, you get a little something something I especially mean... for like those smaller schools it, it means something yeah it's it, it's tough i mean Look, they're not going away. I mean, we're up to what forty-two bowls now. We will never be at fewer than forty-two bowl games for the rest of. I mean, for a long while, these bowl I games. I would think make, so. I mean, these bowl games make money. People still watch them, and they they're on at a time when everybody's home for the holidays, and you're looking for something to watch. Hey, bowl games on! Like, put it on. And sometimes on weekdays in the they afternoon. Do, you're still, saying no to that? They still do well, even though there are way too many of them. Yeah, there's not a problem. There isn't a problem. I don't know what what you're trying to fix. If it's specific to the Florida State example, I already explained why that's not actually going to be a problem anymore. In general, the mediocre football, you could make the argument on, on some of those other games. That's not a problem. Like it, it's it, it it's works football. Very fine the way that it's designed currently. 
Again, people are offering solutions for something that I would contend is actually not a problem. Well, but uh, uh, so maybe the problem necessarily is not how many bowl games there are, but it's uh, who's playing in them. Do players need more incentive to play? Yeah. I mean, things like that. That's the trek I would go down. Right. But why? Like, Make it look I because I mean again, there's there's so much you money that's made to. from these. I mean, people out there suggest, well, maybe give the players a cut of the bowl revenue or something like that because they make so much money on them. It's just but like if a bowl decided, I want our bowl to be more prestigious and cool. We're gonna you know offer nil deals to the players from our end. Right, that would be a way to incentivize. But like, there doesn't need to be a blanket NCAA rule. It's not the responsibility of the NCAA to say like. Or whatever organization to say like you, we need these bowls to be better. That each individual bowl, I think, should pony up the NIL, and that's how you get players exactly. to play in your bowl. Yeah. And they can do that if they want. Otherwise, okay, there's no like there's no problem. Actually, we could talk about making it better, but there's no issue. The only people that have an issue, I won't say the only, but like coaches have an issue, and that's why I feel like those proposals of let's do it in spring ball, let's do it to start next season. Oh, yeah, no, is, get it's out. ridiculous. Get out of here with it's, that. It's 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 yeah. nonsense. Because there's not a problem that merits that sort of solution. It's not a problem to have players opt out of bowl games. It's fine the way that it is. I I haven't heard a good argument yet outside of the Kirby Smart one about specifically the Florida State game, which I think part part of his answer there, Andy, was he felt bad that he beat a team by 60. And you could look at the dynamic of who they had and who Florida State didn't have and probably could have seen a blowout coming. And so he was kind of... He was kind of being a good sport about it and, and kind of standing up for his opponent, even though he had to crush him on the field. He had to do it. Right. But I, I thought it was you a nice play the you game know, a, and a you gesture. go. Right. Exactly. So that those games are not going to have a problem because those games are going to be part of the playoff going forward. What they do with the other Bulls, you know, could be interesting. We'll see. But thank you for joining us. Thanks for giving those thoughts. And thank you to Bill Count on AVSPN for giving his thoughts. You can find that conversation at KTGR.com in case you missed it. Hey, tomorrow. Not play Fate Eliminate because Brendan outright refuses uh, during a week like this. I'll explain why. But uh, over-unders tomorrow. Make sure you're ready for that. He's Brendan. He's producer Chris. I'm Andy. We're done for now.